everyone, it's me, Sean Capri. I'm in my car, and you're listening to the most horsepowerful podcast on the internet. It's the Xbox Drive. It's horsepowerful because I'm in my car and it's driven by horsepower. I'm on a Skype call with my friend Luke Lord, the insipid ghost. And today we're going to talk about Inside Xbox. I love the game Fury. Uh, Luke probably hates stuff, but let's find out. So, Luke, please <laughs> dial into the Xbox Drive. Oh, I'm really sorry about that, Paul. Greater than X. Hello, Sean Capri. When have you ever known me to hate anything? Never, man. I don't know where that came from. I just sometimes I just get rambling and I'm trying to change lanes. And I'm just like, I don't even know what's going on. It's a good thing that I drive the car and you drive the podcast, my friend. It's true, but I hate lots of stuff oh, in no. this week's episode. <laughs> so you just sit down, buckle up, and get ready. Buckle up, buckle up. Oh. On this episode, we are indeed talking Xbox in, uh, inside Xbox, to be specific. Plenty of announcements that come from there. Game Pass got some love from Luke just now. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order, we've seen that gameplay trailer. I've been playing some Borderlands and some Dangerous Driving. Sean's been playing Fury. Oh, and Phil Spencer's talking to, talking about the future of gaming. Ooh, doggy. Sean, we're going to start with inside Xbox, man. Okay, nice. You and I both watched this conference separately yeah. at different speeds, which yeah. is a, that's, that's really funny to me. I'm going to let John share that portion of it. But uh, we're going to talk about these uh, announcements as we go. I think the, fir- the, the biggest announcement uh, from inside Xbox, this most recent one, is the announcement of the Xbox One S All Digital Edition. Now, it's important to remember that while we might have discussed and heard about this before, this is the official announcement. Yep. It is an Xbox One S uh, launching at 200 $150 without the disk drive. It includes Minecraft, Forza Horizon 3, not 4, but 3, uh, and Sea of Thieves. Sean, when you saw this being officially announced, kind of what, what goes through your mind? What are your traversal of emotions here? Well, I mean, it's, like you said, we sort of knew this is one of the worst kept secrets in video games. Um, I'm not necessarily as locked in on the price as I am of what this means for Microsoft and for Xbox. And I want to get touched on that in a bit. Um, Luke, the commercial, like, has me rolling. It has my side splitting. has me laughing ear to ear. I thought that was one of, like, the most... Um, self-reflective, self-aware um, advertisements I've seen from Microsoft and Xbox. Like, I'm not used to them having this much fun. Um, they talked about how difficult this was, like how how they lost people to the project, and then they found them playing Halo somewhere. Like, I I really enjoyed that. I've actually watched that commercial a couple times since then. We watched it on stream the other night over at Twitch. To be clear. Sorry. Important for anybody that hasn't seen it, Sean. This is—they're being facetious. They're being silly. Very, like, how they are we going to do this? You want an all-digital okay, system? Nobody's figured this out before, they, except for movies and books and like encyclopedias and everything like that. Like PSP Go. Exactly. So yeah, then they just delete the delete the uh, DVD drive, which is literally what they did. There's been an article since this announcement that showed that all the internals are still there. Like there's actually a slot for the DVD drive. Like the eject button is is still there, but hidden by the the new chassis. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really I I thought that this was a big move so that we can expect um, future consoles or future gener- generations of consoles to have a a digital only SKU, if not in the very uh, far far future or maybe even near future that. Um, you only get an all-digital console. Like, maybe that's where they're, where they're paving the way, but I don't think that you're nearly as positive on it as I am. Certainly not. And, and I'll <laughs> forego the, the commercial conversation, and I want to focus more on the unit itself. It's a conversation that we uh, have had on and off air uh, on different occasions here. But for me, this Xbox One S all-digital edition uh, is absolutely a swing and a huge miss oh, by so Xbox. Sad. I felt like this was a huge misstep by them uh, in that they did they priced it $100 more expensive than what I think it should be. If indeed it is an all-digital edition without a disk drive, this, this is their chance to capitalize on becoming uh, a, a market leader with their services and bringing people into their services, Xbox Live, uh, Xbox Game Pass, or uh, Xbox Ultimate Game Pass, Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, bringing people into those ecosystems, having a low-cost barrier to entry is excellent. They yeah. did state that it would always be $50 cheaper than any of their S models, like if they go on sale and whatnot. Right. But $250, Sean, to me, is too high of a bar 
to bring somebody in that might be on the fence because at this point in the generation for an Xbox one in 2019, you're, you're looking at somebody who's wanting their second household system or third household system behind probably a switch or PS four or uh, some combination uh, uh, of that. To me, 150 bucks is a great chance to gift somebody a system or say, you know what? I haven't tried game pass or I haven't done this. I have my one system. That's my main. Now I can try a different one. I think it's a huge missed opportunity. Well, I can't, I can't disagree really with any of that. I, I just think about like, like how much did we really expect the price to come down? Like disk drives are not like, they're not even close to being the most expensive piece within or component within a, a system. So I, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot. And I guess the other thing that I, I look at and we can get to this when we talk about game pass ultimate, like, I don't even think anybody's buying a, a regular price system ever. So I look at this as, yeah, that's the baseline price, but who in their right mind wouldn't wait for a sale or a bundle or something else? Like there are, there's value to be added to this later um, as a as an out of the gate price. Maybe it, there is some sticker shock there, but I guess I just I can't imagine <laughs> buying just a base system with um, the way that it is. I, I, there's there's opportunities at E3 and and the holiday season where there'll be better buying opportunities, better um, sale opportunities and things like that. So I guess I will reserve my harshest judgment until I see that. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't even need did one. You, so it doesn't matter to see, me. <laughs> did you see the people, uh, like the various outlets tweeting about their like $219 Xbox One S, one terabyte with NBA or Anthem or whatnot includes disk drive? That's Did amazing. You that? yeah, they should go even one step further. They say that the um, the SAT edition has the exact same 4K Blu-ray possibilities and capabilities as a, a PlayStation 4 Pro. Oh, because they both can't. <laughs> they, they Just both to be clear, they they neither they can't do it. Oh, that's great. What about the inclusion of Minecraft, Forza Horizon 3, and Sea of Thieves? Did that that do anything for you? Is that going to Forza Horizon 3 is the only thing that actually makes sense? To be honest, that was, that's what I was thinking too. Now, can you explain your logic? Because I bet we agree on this. Well, yeah, because the other two are on Game Pass and and Forza Horizon Three. It's criminally that it's criminal that it is not included in Game Pass. I I think I prefer in a lot of ways um, Forza Horizon Three. And there's a number of uh, even Forza Horizon or sorry Forza Motorsport. All this Forza is tough to say. Motorsport Six um, not on Game Pass and 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 should be. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with what's included in this thing. Yeah, I, I was surprised, but it is surprising to me that this all digital edition uh, doesn't isn't a Game Pass style bundle. I see. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's another missed chance there. Uh, giving Game Pass and like six months of Game Pass and Forza Horizon Three, or six months of Game Pass and some other thing, or Fortnite money, or something that would have been, I think, better for me. But ultimately, I think I really come down on the Xbox One S Sad Edition. Uh, is sad. or the Xbox One sad edition is sad. I think it's disappointing. I'm frustrated. Uh, I really feel like they, they missed the boat on this one. But um, I think some of the logic that's with sta- that's standing here is they know they're going to put it on sale. They know that it's going to come down in price quickly uh, with new systems around the corner. So so maybe that's their logic. Well, I and just, they know that the, gener- the story of the generation is done. They know that they've mm-hmm. lost, that this isn't meant to really make up any ground. So don't lose your shirt on this thing. Instead, introduce the idea. This is a virgin experience, Luke. This is a, <laughs> it's not pretty. <laughs> it's their first time trying sure. it. So they're there's, uh, you know, they're not even really sure if it's in yet, if you know what I mean. I do. I just think they could have easily, they could have very easily priced it low to bring that PlayStation 4 owner or that Switch owner in. Yeah. You know, hey, you know what? I missed the games of this generation. Let me try it. We saw that happen. We've seen that happen in previous generations. I think it's a missed chance. Now, with forward compatibility with PlayStation 5 and uh, Xbox to whatever our next Xbox is. They've talked about the idea that their your previous library will travel with you, yeah. And so that that's less a concern than perhaps it would have been at one point uh, because they're not hardware bound. But it nonetheless it, it strikes me as a frustration point. Um, and then just the amusing, just a very subtle thing that only nerds would have caught is that they were playing Halo Five. Yes. In, the, in the commercial they were playing it split screen and that you and i had talked off air like i think that's just totally a marketing snafu and then it came out uh after our first conversation that indeed it was a marketing snafu and that's not a not a thing happening right now how does that happen isn't it harder to like make that the make it split screen on the like what they had to instead of them just nah, actually I, playing I, the real game they they had to make it split screen come on man 
These are Hollywood elites. They know what they're doing, Sean. The Xbox One already has ray tracing. What are you worried about them not being able to split screen an image? I mean, they're fine. These I guys so. know what they're doing. I guess so. Oh, goodness. Other announcements included Xbox um, Game Pass Ultimate is indeed real. It is uh, now live or, or coming this year. I'm sorry. Coming very, very soon, I should say. Uh, $14.99. It's, it's that conversation we've had before. But I'm glad to see it's real and it exists as another option for people to check out. Some games uh, hit back compat, including Ninja Gaiden 2, which is awesome. It's going to be X-Enhanced. Mm-hmm. Other X-Enhanced games include uh, some of the Tom Clancy games. Some Ubisoft love here with uh, Blacklist, Conviction, Double Agent. Uh, then Fable 2 and 3 also got Xbox One X-Enhanced. Sean, I enjoy these free masters. I don't know that they needed to be like the center point or, or a corner point of an inside Xbox, but I was, I'm glad that oh, they exist. Man. No, I want more. I want more time on these. I want them to show me like the before and after because I think they are stunning. And I would love for, uh, I, like I said, I, I think if this was a feature on a PlayStation or even Nintendo, but especially on PlayStation, people would be losing their minds. If people, if you showed me like a PlayStation 2 game and they're like, by the way, you don't have to pay anything, right? You just stick your disc in and it looks way better. Are you kidding me, man? People would just be, they'd be going crazy about that. So I wish they would kind of lean into this a little bit more. It's very unique. And from everything that we can glean from the the, uh, look behind the curtain at PS5, I'm sure we'll talk about, um, there's only, they're only really looking at PS4 backwards compatibility. So this will continue to be a strength that, that Xbox owns, Luke. So I know that it doesn't get some people excited. I think it's amazing and a, and a testament to Xbox's um, commitment to gaming and the cataloging and, and archiving of game, making sure that it survives the future and all the changes that we're in for. I regularly play 360 and OG Xbox games as they, they come available. Are you? Do you go back and play them? You know, what I do typically is when these types of things are announced, I like I jump back in and go, holy crap, I would... That's that's impressive. That's really great. The one thing, uh, one game that I want this for that I absolutely would because I can tell you I'm I'm fired up Mass Effect just last week and that game desperately needs a remaster. It needs a little bit of help on the performance side, um, and I think one of these free masters would do that game, that series, very very well, especially because EA has sort of said that they have no intentions on applying any extra resources um, to that series or that uh, in the way of a remaster. So that's too bad. But Xbox has this as an opportunity to do it sort of for them. I think that I really like that. I think X enhancements, that idea, that concept will make its way into uh, competitors' areas as well. Because if it is indeed an algorithm that can improve a number of things, uh, I think we'll see that that happen more and more. Sean, Sea of Thieves also got more more spotlight. Now, it's the anniversary update. Things that we've seen before, essentially a story mode for, for single player, but existing within a multiplayer shared world. Yes. Uh, this, this raised my eyebrows because... Well, I'm not interested in Sea of Thieves overall. I was at one point. It's just I'm more of a single-player person traditionally. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that one Sea of Thieves is thriving because that was a scary point at one uh, – questioning point at one point. Yep. And now to see this coming, I, I think it's certainly seems to be hitting its stride. Are you – are you going to reinstall tackle this once again? <laughs> I might uh, tackle get like a tackle box because you're fishing on Sea of Thieves now. That's amazing. Um, I think that I might a do. Joke, everyone. Yeah, I was said that. And totally I knew what I was saying. That's Luke. Yeah, that's why we're yep, the same. That's me. Dad jokes all across mm. the board. Um, I uh, I've been sort of pretty light and and maybe dismissive on Sea of Thieves ever since the, the beta and it came out and I was you know six out of ten uh, questioning. Uh, our friend Chris Johnson's decision to play it. Hi, Chris. We love your podcast. <laughs> Player One Podcast. Everybody, come on, go listen to it. I love it. So guys. good. Uh, Chris is such a nice guy, man. I just, you know, I, I imagine in my head that we're friends. Uh, so that that's weird. I'm saying that publicly and on the internet now. Uh, but I think everybody does. That's his charm. So now, mm-hmm. now I think he's a little bit better justified in spending so much time, and and hopefully people will will join in. And you have this such a, such a tremendous community surrounding Sea of Thieves that they can show us us idiots who kind of skipped out on it for the longest time. They can show us the way. And I'm really looking forward to jumping back in. Hopefully, you and I can can find some time. And I think the one thing that I was missing before, uh, I don't know what the economy is like. If they fix that, that would be important that I feel like I'm getting enough gold to buy the things that I want. And then um, having a shared experience around that story is is huge, man. It's, it's great to have that that gravity and that track for us all to experience this together. So 
Great work for the Sea of Thieves team, dude. This is awesome. Didn't answer my question. Am I going to jump back in? I think I'm going to jump back in. I have a question for you. Do you think that by me jumping back in, am I, uh, and like even championing this the way that I am, am I rewarding bad behavior in this games of service thing where developers can and publishers can release games that are not finished, clearly not finished, have a long way to go, and then go, that's okay. (laughs) Just take a year and, and fix it. Like, I feel like I'm, am I part of the problem, Luke? That's a huge topic, and the only way I know to answer it is that we should always be voting with our wallet and then time. Yeah, Wallet and time are the two ways that you offer support. Uh, there are people like our friend Chris who's put uh, 100 plus, or in his case, 900 plus uh, hours into Sea of Thieves. At least. Uh, am I rewarding Anthem because I enjoyed 100 plus hours of playing Anthem? Well, they certainly don't deserve, you know, all the credit in the world for for some of the things that they they did is, is in producing uh, that game. And so, I think if you're enjoying your time and you have a vested enjoyment in it and you get value out of it, then you are not rewarding bad behavior. But I guess if, what I'm trying if, to say if, is, if are we encouraging them to continue? to release games like we kind of agree that we don't want games to come out unfinished we want them to come out finished so if we're kind of demonstrating that we're okay with it being finished a year later like does that perpetuate the problem i think you're talking about uh apples and oranges in some respects look at some of the most the most appreciated games in this generation spider-man horizon uncharted breath of the wild those are single player isolated experiences that have a start a middle and an end. Yep. And in that, in that you don't need to add, you don't need to worry about lack of content. Whereas with games like Crackdown, Anthem, The Division, Fallout 76, Sea of Thieves, where they are living and they're meant to have communities that make their own fun along with whatever the developers intend, uh, it's it's a slightly different concept because the developer needs to be able to react to adjusting economies, to adjusting what the the grind will be if the end game is more important than the journey to yeah. end game. And so, I think that is a question you need to continue to ask yourself every time you play a live service style game. And that's the context and, that I'm framing it in is within that those games of service thing. So I guess the the gold bar or the gold standard might be um, the division two. Because like we've kind of yeah. talked about how it, like it came out, it had a ton of content, like it worked, everything was great. Um, so yeah, it's but, but I don't know, I don't we, know what the, we, their, their final answer to this, but it's before, just kind of a thought exercise. I think before you, I agree with, I like the thought exercise, but before you uh, go down the a rabbit hole we've been before, I do want to point out if if you are enjoying a live service game or it's brought you back, then you're rewarding good behavior because they knew that they're, they're very aware when their good player point. base is unhappy. And they are doing something to bring them back. So I don't think anyone should feel bad if they return to Destiny or go back to Division 2 after maybe a layover. Or they do go back to Anthem or Sea of Thieves or anything else. I think you're rewarding good behavior. And their own sales or their own drop-off or their own frustrations are certainly felt in the immediate launch of a title. So I don't think there need to be stress there. This is like the new age, like, are we okay with patching a game? Remember when we, were, when we first started getting a patch? for a game. <laughs> so it's kind of the, the next level of that. It's a little bit evolved, but let's talk about season pass. No, yeah. um, rage two. <laughs> I'm excited for rage two, Sean. I saw gameplay on inside Xbox and it was the, the thing that made me most happy on this most recent episode of inside Xbox rage two looks bonkers. Yeah. It looks alive. It looks vibrant. It seems to take what was technically impressive at the time of rage one, but not at all really inspiring or fun and, and flipped it on its head. It looks to be like crazy gunplay. You have force powers. They want you to be creative with it. There's lots of greens. You're flying. I am super excited for Rage. I'm hoping uh, to get to tackle that one for a Ghost Games update and do some Xbox streaming. Uh, that's a game that I'm very interested in. Did you get to see this, this gameplay clip? I was so happy that Xbox got to show off this exclusive gameplay. It's um, it's really important. This is why I'm, I'm is another feather in the cap of this this month's Inside Xbox. I thought this was really important to showcase this. I think that uh, Rage 2 is actually going to be a bit of a dark horse. As we're starting to get a little glimpse into 
it being an actually interesting game and starting to pick up some momentum. But Rage as a franchise, as a series, doesn't really hold a lot of weight. Like It's not like people were really waiting for the next Rage game. So I think this has a chance to be the biggest surprise of the year. I think the gunplay looks incredible. The the graphics, and like when do we ever talk about that? Graphics look awesome, dude. So I'm I'm excited. I checked my library today to see if they've got any holds available. They they haven't yet. So I now have a um, a daily reminder to go onto the local library and check for Rage Two so I can put a hold on it. Uh, failing that, I want to play this game as close to um, as close to launch as possible, dude. This this looks incredible. That's awesome, man. I I also want to play it close to launch, if not at launch. Um, what up, Bethesda? So a game that I'm also going to be tackling, and this is going to be a day one purchase for me regardless, just because it is a Star Wars game. But Jedi Fallen Order, we finally saw a cinematic trailer, though it was it was very clearly stated it is not gameplay, but it is in-engine, yeah. uh, rendered in-engine. What uh, engine was kind that? Of on the, it, not Frostbite. Awesome. That's what you need to know. Yep. Uh, and Respawn's Fallen Order, ha- we've seen it. We know who the protagonist is going to be. It's a Padawan that survived uh, Order 66. He's trying to hide while the Inquisitors uh, are going around and wiping out Force users. Uh, there's a lot of story and a lot of world to be explored uh, in this Jedi title, and I'm excited because Star Wars offers that. I'm excited because I'm a Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. I certainly enjoyed Episode Nine's trailer, Sean. Me too. Uh, this trailer didn't do much for me, and as lukewarm as I am on Jedi Fallen Order's first trailer, I know I said it. It's like Luke Skywalker. That's who I was named after. Oh, Luke but Lord, as as warm. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Mm. Um. But uh, as as. <laughs> Meh as that trailer was for me, I mean, I will be in day one. I will be holding my Kylo Ren lightsaber next to me while I play as this new character whose name is uh, Cal Kestis, which is a very Star Wars-esque totally name. Totally Star Wars-esque name. You know, I'm, I'm excited because I love Star Wars. And so, you know, sweet. Let's see it. Dude, I, I think I'm a little higher on this than you. And I think that the, the central theme, the setting, the, the progression and everything um, is enticing to me. The Order 66 is terrifying. This genocide of Jedis, is, the Jedi genocide is, is horrifying. And so mm-hmm. if, if um, you have this group of people who are sort of the, the hope to, the, to bringing balance to the universe and they've been ordered to be wiped out, I think this is like a central theme to the universe that they don't really, they haven't got quite right. Uh, in storytelling, at least in the in the big way, it may have been in a book that I haven't really read yet. But um, the that central part of this story is really why I am so excited. I don't care about the the character's name or anything like that. But um, trying to be one of the last remaining Jedi's, I think, is so cool. And then, of course, the music is so central to the Star Wars experience, and it just seems to swell and climax at the absolute right point. I am looking for great gameplay from Respawn, but I'm hoping that this theme sets us up for some huge moments to combine that that music and uh, and a punch to the gut, like um, plot change and, and story-driven stuff that I, I'm really looking forward to. I might be reading too much into it, though, and I do get a little bit irrationally excited for Star Wars stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But this this did it for me, man. It scratched that what I want, whatever itch I had. It, it gave me what I wanted from a from a tease. We're still waiting on more mm-hmm. information, but for a tease, I thought this was a good job. Such a mix of emotions for me because I was on that high from the episode nine trailer, and then this one hit, and I was like, oh, I still I still love Star Wars. I was super excited for Battlefront Two story. I enjoyed portions of it a great deal. I love some of the aspects of yeah, like the first uh, two Battlefront missions. Two. And anything that wasn't a shoehorned character in, I really yeah. did like. Yeah. Um, but but what my point is, I'm a bit biased in that I love Star Wars. And Respawn has indeed never made a bad game. In yeah. Titanfalls 1, 2, and Apex, they produce great content. They have a wonderful track record from b- before they were Respawn. Vince Sampella seems to be one of the few people that can stand up to a corporation like EA and say, this is what we're doing. Uh, I mean, I got a feeling you're going to be fighting Darth Vader at some point in this. I got a feeling you're going to be seeing some some pretty intense climactic moments of tragedy and happiness. Uh, my hope is that we don't get forced cameos that i want the story to feel natural and what if you die in the you, end and i like, think you should you should die in the end right like it's this like a rogue one kind of yes. story vader should wipe you out um and it should be vader or you know one of the 
one of the death Mary sisters. You know what? We're going too far into the rabbit hole. Here's what you need to know. <laughs> this game, this story needs to be closed. It needs to be exist within a world and, and be wonderful, be explorable, but perhaps in other aspects. And ultimately what I'm really excited for is the inevitable DLC that lets me her- carry a Kylo Ren lightsaber and wear a Sith suit. I want that. Mm-hmm. I am very curious. This joking aside, <laughs> if this game is going to be more uh, technically prowess, uh, like something maybe like a like a Sekiro style combat system, but with with a bit more uh, ease because it's Star Wars. Yeah, a little uh, bit of a parry system. Be more, yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, or if it's gonna be more hack and slash Force Unleashed style, because I enjoyed the Force Unleashed uh, quite a bit. So I think there's lots of questions still unanswered when this game is launching this year. But I mean, that's it's gonna be day one because I'm either a glutton for punishment or uh, a wonderfully happy fanboy. I can't. Well, hopefully, we see more at E3, maybe even on uh, Xbox stage, dude. Oh, that would be that would be absolutely lovely. Rage was prediction. there. Uh, on I, you know what? That was a bad transition. Let's it's talk a bad about prediction because show, they're the though, only Sean. stage. That's the joke. <laughs> Control, uh, Sean. I recently put up a Ghost Games update for Dangerous Driving, <gasps> and I'm not going to spend too much time on it now. But I do want you to go check that out. Uh, Dangerous Driving is kind of in the made by the Criterion folks uh, who since moved on and have made, uh, what is it, Danger Burn. Zones 1 and 2, and, and they worked on Burnout's a spiritual successor there. I've been playing that. Yep. And then I've also now been playing Borderlands 2 after having finished the Borderlands 1 Game of the Year edition. And man, I'm having a blast with some Borderlands. I'm enjoying Dangerous Driving. Uh, things are not so bad for me right over here. I'm enjoying it. Are you playing Borderlands with anybody? Have you been able to like team up with anybody on that? I played Borderlands one's Borderlands one solo, yep. and all of my save files from Borderlands two across multiple systems and ecosystems are gone. And so uh, I started from scratch on Borderlands two, and I'm still playing solo. I might have to join up with you on that, man. That's why everybody gets so excited about Borderlands is that party experience, the the co op uh, thing. That back in the day you didn't really get a whole lot of that, um, in, a, in especially in the loot shooter type of category. I love it. I would love to play that with you, man. Uh, I'm sorry that you're not, it doesn't sound like you're having too much fun with, with dangerous driving, but which I I never like to hear that you're not enjoying a game, but that never really looked too enticing to me. I never, I was never one to go. Yeah. Burnout. Those, that's the best series ever. That's not me, man. Sorry to say it's a niche enjoyment. It's a niche enjoyment. In the time that we talked last time we talked about this game versus now, um, which was off air, everybody. But I, I've come around on a few aspects of it, yeah. which is good. And again, we often talk about how the journey, time takes perspective and such. Um, but it's a niche title for people that loved Burnout. And that's that's who it is for, to who it's made by. Uh, and within that context, I think there's a lot to enjoy. It's got some certainly some problems there, too, as well. I have a recommendation um, for people to play that game, get your Spotify integration locked in, and then listen to the Xbox drive on your Spotify, because we're on Spotify, and drive a car. And it could be like you're just right here with me in the car, driving along and doing the podcast. Ball. And retweet Ghost Games update. It helps. Sean, you've been playing Fury. Dude, this game might be my. It, this is on my on my all time favorite games of all time games. What, <laughs> dude? I okay. So I played this game. I got three bosses in. It's gorgeous. Yeah, but I think you got to lead with your discussion of the art style before you tell me gameplay. Okay, the art style is like this. Um, it's it's definitely Japanese influenced the overall gameplay. Um, boss uh, bosses that are totally memorable. It's it, the art style is kind of actually like it's not entirely unique though. It definitely draws upon influences from from other areas and has since been um, I think inspired other games like Hyper Light Drifter. Very um, neon heavy. Very I think you've you've referred to it as Tron like. I think is maybe one of the best ways to do it. Um, tons of color, tons of lighting effects, and and um, cool character design. Um, I am absolutely in awe of this game. It's really, it's not even new. So it's I, for me to say it's come up out of nowhere is more more to say that it has surprised me at how much um, it's laid dormant in my view of video games and then come up, I've played it, and I, I it's all I think about right now, dude. I, I go home and I could be playing The Division. I could be playing a lot of other amazing games that I know that I love. And yet I've got my eye on the prize, man. I, I know that there's a couple bosses left. Um, I've hit an ending in this game and I was able to see in the... One of the final screens, it says it thanks um, Hideo Kojima, uh, Hideki Kamiya, Keiji Inafune, and a, a bunch of other um, great creators. And it made me realize that maybe one of the reasons that the bosses are so memorable and so awesome and intimidating is 
um, all those influences, Mega Man and Metal Gear Solid, some of the best bosses and most creative experiences that we've ever we've ever had. Um, I've just really enjoyed it, man. I could go on and on, but I, I feel like I'm uh, maybe cutting you off a little bit. No, not at all. I think Fury is a great game. It was a uh, was it Game Bakers that made it. The Game Bakers, I have been tweeting them. I feel like I'm you with Crackdown. I, I continue to tweet at the Game Bakers, not for any other reason, just to let them know how much I absolutely adore the game. So in case anybody hasn't played it, you play as a uh, samurai ninja dude who um, has been imprisoned. And the whole time you're just wondering, like, what did this guy do? Because you've clearly pissed off a lot of people and you're locked away in this kind of purgatory area um, and your escape is possible. It's not necessarily impossible. It's uh, but it's been designed to be very grueling, and um, you kind of go through boss by boss. There's a, from what I can see, maybe twelve bosses now, and they mm-hmm. just have this unrivaled hatred towards your character called the Stranger. And you're like, what did he do? Um, and one of my favorite bosses is this gladiator type of character. There's a um, reminds me of, like that big burly guy from the Gladiator, that Russell Crowe movie. And he's called the Hand. He's this burly, honor-driven commander who actually was the person who led the operation to capture the stranger and lock him away. You end up traveling along and you stumble upon this guy's farm. And your first interaction is with his son. And the son kind of scurries away. He's kind of scared because the stranger's an intimidating dude. And the the boss comes out and um, says he's going to teach his boy a lesson and stand up for what's right. And you essentially just kill this guy in front of his son and it's so heavy every interaction with every character in this game is so meaningful and and impactful that i i remember every boss and you know me with my memory dude i don't remember anything in games the Mm -hmm. the um the encounters i have with the characters in this game are so awesome and that i think that's why i really love it of course it's hard um i continue to practice and get better at it and that's rewarding in and of itself but it's for all the other reasons that i think this game is truly truly special how interesting and for anyone that's wondering there's no regular enemy you just go boss to boss to boss yeah um, and i think it's so interesting that we have this conversation about Fury, which is an incredible game. I, I truly recommend it to everybody else as well. Who, who, uh, If Sean's interests you, I offer great support to it because it's a great game. Um, but it's so interesting we have this conversation kind of a, a week after having an accessibility conversation <laughs> spurred by Sekiro, yeah. which you know I had to put down because it, I just don't have the, the, the moment to, and time to dedicate. And it's interesting me, to me that this game spoke to you uh, after you know you'd been rotating through games, unsure yep. of what to play, it's because it's, it's focused. It's because it is so yeah. focused. And I think with Sekiro, um, I can be sidetracked with like different paths and doing all these different things, um, and that takes me away from feeling like I'm actually progressing. Even though these are single, these are contained experiences and encounters with the boss battles, I can get just a little bit further. I can learn something just a little bit new with that one encounter rather than having too many other factors impact my or distract me from really getting better. It's so like I'm laser focused and I can I can get my tunnel vision and and for that reason it's a little bit more I have to me that 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 makes a big difference. Sekiro, I have, I have multiple other issues with that game. It's not just the difficulty. It's I, I don't think the parry system is very good. I don't think the posture system is very good in that in that game. Um, but other people seem to like it. But that's my experience with, with Sekiro. Well, there is indeed something to be said with linearity uh, and an ease of access in a game. And with that, with being able to turn off certain parts of your brain to enjoy a title. You Sean, have to practice we with have... it, man. It's that, it's that, the last oh. thing I'll say is like it's like Meat Boy. If you die, you're right back in it. You're not sitting there waiting. You you continuously get to practice at the same thing. That's it. Agreed. You make a good point. No, you make a very good point. And uh, if you any of you have played Fury, please let us know because I'm curious to hear what you guys think of it. If you like it as much as I did, and certainly as much as, as Sean Love seems it. to. Oh, goodness. Speaking of people who listen to this show, Nathan Thomas wrote in (laughs) with a listener question. Uh, No, no. Phil will be here in a moment. Hello, Philip. Nathan Thomas wrote in. He said, have you seen that spring sale on (laughs) Xbox Live? That's what's currently on my mind. They're basically giving away great games (laughs) over there. So to answer Nathan's question, yes, I have. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have seen uh, this Xbox sale. And I got to tell you, I've purchased a couple games recently that were on sale. Uh, I snagged the Bioware bundle in this spring sale, which was 15 bucks, and included the best Mass Effect, Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh, uh, with all its DLC. <laughs> and, uh, and then also Dragon Age Inquisition. Now, the reason I was so interested in this is uh, twofold. First and foremost, as someone who who did truly enjoy Anthem, I'm interested to see kind of where Bioware came from, uh, much the way I did with Borderlands 1 and, and uh, the Borderlands series. And then also, uh, I'm curious what the fixed versions of these look like the most updated fully yeah. DLC uh, repaired games, you know, it was out for plenty of time for things to be patched and they've certainly, they're done patching those games. So I'm curious what, what holds there. I did snag the Borderlands handsome collection just before the spring sale, but it was, you know, fairly cheap. And I'm now in Borderlands two, as I've said, and I snagged resident evil two uh, around that same time as well. And so I've got plenty of games to enjoy on my spring break, which as of now, is live and i'm very excited by that so i'm i'm looking forward to some good gaming moments uh, over the next week sean dude i have you you've told me this a hundred times before but i can't recall uh, have you played the other dragon age games before i've played about an hour of inquisition and that's it oh, that's man. all i've ever played inquisition is made so much better if you if you do have a chance to go back like uh my i first played the first couple hours and i'm like i've got no idea what's going on so i went all the way back to origins loved it went out and bought dragon age 2 and then went on to 3 probably one of the best three months of gaming i've ever had when i could actually dedicate that much time and, and finish three giant rpgs in three months um, but that's a mm-hmm. that's another story luke um this this uh, I'm I'm glad uh, Nathan in his lovely accent brought up this sale um, because it, it reminds me to let everybody know that you should be first going up and buying Game Pass. This this um, sale oh. is tremendous. Tons of Sean, tons of great. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you only to say that while we were recording, I opened the Game Pass app on my phone mm-hmm. and started downloading Monster Hunter World. <gasps> Dude, let's play this. Okay, Garrett Bland, I think, and I are going to play this uh, very very. Man, there's too many games. What the crap am I supposed to do? Gr- it's a great, great problem to have, right? It's a, it is, it is good. Um, first, most of the games on on this sale are on Game Pass, so this is as good a sale as this is. It's actually a good case to to go buy that. It's a, it's a good um, prompt for that. I've got a bunch of games, man. As I was floating through this, I've got most of these, but I want to draw some attention to Far Cry New Dawn as a game I've played, which is amazing. $20 already. Diablo 3 is a must-buy. Everybody should have this game. It's also $20. Dying Light is a really creative open-world zombie game um, that has just incredible missions and and incredible swings between the difficulty and the environments from day to night. Uh, it's only 15 bucks. Uh, Forza 6 is my favorite Forza game uh, on the motorsport side. It's 15 bucks. Overwatch is a game that everybody should have just in case somebody wants to jump in. It's 20 bucks. Rayman Legends, 5 bucks must own. Um, the Witcher 3, 12 bucks, man. Like, come on. Too much. It's too much. It's true. It's true. And it, it's interesting, too, because like looking at those sales, I automatically filter out the games I've already played. Yep, and I'm, or I already have, and I do have a lot of them. But that just speaks to where we are in our generation and the quality that we Big have time. in this generation. Yep, it's a good problem to have, Sunny boy. Indeed. All right. Thanks for the question, voice. Cruise by control topic. Cruise control topic. During Inside Xbox, Phil Spencer notably recognized that Xbox will be the only platform with a live press conference at E3. Uh, Phil openly acknowledges the responsibility that that thrusts upon his team. And we ask, what does that mean? How does that change things, particularly in the wake of the PlayStation 5's uh, specs that were not leaked? I hear a lot of people saying they were leaked. No. PlayStation officially allowed Wired to, to go in and, and take a look at what they're doing. Mark Cerny did interviews. Uh, and, and PlayStation 5's local box seems to be a beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do these things relate? What does this uh, mean for gaming going forward, particularly in such a transitional year with Stadia and Scarlet on the horizon and xCloud? There's a lot. There's, there's so much in the air, Sean. Uh, what does it mean to have the responsibility of the only live press conference at E3? Does it seem like we are, like, I don't know what kind of banner we're supposed to put up, what mission accomplished or or start sign that we're supposed to see, but, like, we are officially, it's officially okay to be looking towards the next generation. Like, we have mm-hmm. real numbers, real specs coming in from PlayStation. We have Phil Spencer on Inside Xbox talking about how he's playing Destiny on his phone while sitting in Japan. Uh, we have Stadia mm-hmm. talking about, like, their next thing We have like from Google. Um 
we are officially on next gen watch and I couldn't be more excited. Like I think we can officially, if you guys haven't already, the Xbox drive is officially announcing this next gen season. We're heading into E3 where we know we're going to be getting a lot more information, uh, at least on the, the last set of games for this generation. But certainly we can assume that we're going to be talking about next generation. And I would say to you, Luke, that I can imagine this being presented in a similar way that Scorpio was, that Xbox is prepared to take us all forward. Nobody's being left behind and that the next Xbox is going to be the most powerful console. I think it was actually a bit of a mistake, if I could be so bold, that PlayStation went ahead and, and put this information out. It gives the hand right over. Like, that doesn't do anything for PlayStation in any way, shape, or form other than to just shut people up and stop asking about what's PlayStation 5 all about. And I don't think that that um, conversation was getting to a fever pitch. Now, Xbox can come in and say, okay, that's what you guys have got. How do we message this better? How do we relay this information that is important? How can we do a better job than putting it out in a freaking... 2000 word or more wired article they xbox can reveal this information way better and they can start it differently and they i feel like it puts it back into phil's hands that they can be the best and really the only people at e3 with a live press conference yes i agree and i think you know i agree to an extent because it sounded to me like they wanted to get ahead of a conversation they know they won't have a presence uh, or much of a presence come july uh, you know why that, that is? They, I thought or, of sorry, this before. June. Pardon me, June. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I want to throw a shot at, at, at PlayStation. I want to, you, you know, um, Joseph Moran, Mr. Badbit himself on the trophy room, threw a ton of shade over at Xbox and myself and, well, yeah, and Xbox, totally uncalled for stuff. So I got to throw this back. You know why PlayStation isn't going to E3 this year? Of course, people say they don't have anything to talk about and next gen is this awkward timing. Here's why. Because PlayStation ruined what it means to be at E3. They they continuously gave us games that were 17 years out. They gave us uh, the reveal of what was like the Japanese game that everybody really likes, not Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is another uh, Dragon Quest. Final Sh- Fantasy no, VII. Shenmue. Death Shenmue. Branding. The Shenmue and the Final Fantasy oh, the VII. Kickstarter, thing. but not the it Kickstarter. It the but same not on- thing. It happened at the same conference, and it happened year over year over year. They're talking about these games that aren't coming out for 10 years. So, you know what, PlayStation, you don't deserve to be. I always thought that Xbox was the most honest in its presentations. Like, these are the games that are coming out soon, the the greatest lineup in Xbox history. I feel like Phil has harnessed in the past what it means to do an awesome presentation and something that punches you in the gut and and impacts you within this year so i'm really excited to see what he means when he says we're taking this responsibility seriously that they're the only gaming platform with a live press conference at e3 oh my goodness there are so many things to unpack with that thought i i do i disagree that xbox has been the most honest um I think in the in the Phil Spencer era, yes, that's, that's true. what I mean. That's what I mean. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Okay. So I just want to be very yep. very clear there. Um, but oh man, I'm going to transition that conversation because I don't know if Sony does or doesn't. I haven't figured that out yet because when you win two to one in, in console sales, you you can afford to to have some leeway, right? Uh, they certainly won on exclusives as well, and power doesn't mean everything when it comes to their announcements there. I think However, it was on the, the back response... of how they did E3. That's how Perhaps. they won. I think they, they were able they... to excite people uh, almost like unfairly. <laughs> like, someday you'll get Death Stranding, someday you'll get Last of Us 2. Well, it didn't It didn't damn them into mediocrity. And no, so, that's why they're not there now, though. That's all I'm saying. I, I understand. I'm, I'm trying to w- talk my way through this. I'm curious if they are out or if they are just prepping for transition. And I, I know we would hear different responses from different people in different communities on that um, because of, of that transition that is seemingly looming. You have to think Horizon 2 and yeah. uh, a sequel to Spider-Man. You got to think Infamous is going to have something and Hopefully. so on. Ah, there's, there's plenty of things to talk about for, on their side, but for Xbox – my hope for this E3, in, in taking on that great responsibility, we need to see uh, short, medium, and long-term visions for yeah. Xbox. They have the stage. It's their time. They need to reclaim some of that market mindshare. Mm-hmm. Their sales were fine. They just weren't comparatively fine. Yeah. Right? $41 million is not a bad number, um, but it is certainly not $90 million, yeah. you know, obviously. So to, to call a spade a spade there. Um, but I need to see... Uh, 
discussions about why control will play best on an X. I need to see Gears of War 5, Gears of War Tactics. I need to understand Halo Infinite's place in this pantheon of releases and systems and what it is, where it exists. I need to see what some of these new studios are working on. What is Ori 2 going to do for us? Mm -hmm. What is Battletoads, if anything? Are the Forza uh, teams making more racing games? Uh, Because while impressive, not exciting. Like, it's just not at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but are, are we getting Fable? What is happening with these now, I think, 13 studios existing? Um, because some of them don't speak to me. The Forza Motorsport, Minecraft, uh, they, they, those things don't talk to me. But will Outer Worlds, will, will um, In Exile's title, what, what will those people be doing? And I need to see a six-month plan, a one-year out, and a two, three-year out. And it doesn't need to be equal proportions of each. But you got to give me a reason to say, okay, this next box is worth my time. This Xbox One X, I should keep buying games for it on this system because they're going to go with me and play better next when I do decide to transition. So those are things that I need answered in this E3 while they have the spotlight. And I'm hoping that a Nintendo Direct, a Google Stadia announcement, a a, a something or another doesn't come in and, and swoop the the wind out of their sails. It's a weird analogy, but it can't take away that momentum. They cannot give it up because this is such a pivotal moment for them. Well, the biggest one of the biggest opportunities, yes, so all those things are true for first party and and things that are central to Xbox, but um, all the third party players, all the third-party publishers who once had a, a, a selection, they could be on Xbox stage or PlayStation, like, they've only got the one choice. And I feel like Xbox can be that, that um, they can offer that stage in a way that obviously Sony is choosing not to. So it'd be really interesting to see, like, where Activision comes out. Like, where does, what happens with Destiny? I think the future of Destiny people are really wondering. And with uh, Bungie on their own, wouldn't that be amazing to see Bungie back on the stage, like, uh, on the Xbox stage? There are so many, like, what about Capcom, who's been killing it lately? What is the next thing that they've got up their sleeve? They don't have a press conference um, like Ubisoft does or Bethesda. We're going to see what's coming up next. I, I would I would be so bold to predict that the next big Capcom thing, if it's a new remaster that people are really excited about in the, in the Resident Evil series, that mm-hmm. that happens there. So I think it's more than just like the future of video games in terms of the next generation or the next box or Project X Cloud is is got to be part of that conversation. But mm-hmm. the, the next games, the next biggest games that are still coming out this holiday season that we don't know about could very likely be revealed on an Xbox stage. And I can't stress enough how important that is. But I would agree with you to say that Xbox could certainly be more bold in its it's better here. Like they... Mm. You know, there's a lot of fervor, a lot of conversation happening about how powerful that PlayStation 5 sounds. But, like, remember that, like, the generation that's happening right now, power doesn't matter now, but apparently it's going to matter when it's PlayStation 5 having a super powerful box? It, it seems strange to me. I think you touched on the more important thing, because power doesn't matter. Not in terms, not not in the way that we're, we're discussing in this moment. Um, and so... I think what needs to happen is they need to show and foster those relationships with other people from Ubisoft to Activision um, from the top all the way on down. But I think if you put Bungie on the stage, if you, during your Xbox presentation, you walk Doug Bowser out there, from yes, Nintendo the Nintendo say, relationship. Hey, yes, we need to we need to have this. And if you have uh, Phil Spencer on Nintendo's Treehouse, if you if you cultivate that relationship, that will be the conversation that will out outride uh, Google Stadia getting an exclusive Doom level or mm. whatever it is they're going to do. So cultivate the relationships more than anything because power. Power does not win you a generation. The Xbox One X is a good example of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the, on its own. The Switch, not on its own, of course. Switch is a good example of this. PlayStation mm-hmm. 4, a good example of this. Because PlayStation 4 did launch with better specs in the mm-hmm. initial launch of the generation. And then their iterative version was far inferior to, to the X. And, you know, as, as great as things look on my X, um, I did not upgrade my PS4 Pro to play Spider-Man, but I did play Spider-Man. You know? The PS4 launch was was truly magnificent. If you like, all all joking aside, and the, the shade that I've thrown there, it was cheaper and more powerful, and it had great games. Like check, check, check. And they didn't pigeonhole you. In, they, they their messaging was so clear. Yeah, it, this is it. It's going so to play games. You don't need a camera. You can have a camera. You don't need one. Mm-hmm. So there were there were factors amongst that, and so. 
you know, I feel like we've covered a lot of topics and per our usual, Sean, we, we probably didn't solve the issues, but we did enjoy going on the journey and we hope Big you guys time. did too. Um, I, I truly thank and hope that you guys will be willing to check out uh, some of the content I put up on Twitter with those ghost game updates at twitter.com slash MLS reserves. Find me on Mixer at mixer.com slash insipid ghost. Sean, I haven't been able to stream as much in the past few days, but I'm hoping to get back to it over spring break. And I'd love to break 500 uh, soon, particularly as the E3 season looms and I can start doing more uh, more stuff. I got a computer. I can do some watch alongs. I'm pretty excited for some stuff. Nice, man. Yeah, definitely people should get over to mixer.com slash uh, ghost because I was about to say I'm lost reserves. Um, it is kind of creepy how fast you can respond with Mixer with its, uh, what is it, uh, FTL speed. You type in a thing mm-hmm. in the chat and then Luke's like, hey, Sean, or hey, hey, you, hey, Ribo, hey, Chris Johnson, mm-hmm. thanks for stopping by. It's amazing. Rancher guys- Ribo. Rancher Ribo. Hey, Rancher Ribo. Uh, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Capri, at Sean like Connery Capri, like the pants. And I'm streaming on Tuesdays and Thursdays at twitch.tv slash Sean Capri. It's almost FTL, but not quite. It's about as fast as light, not faster than light travel. <laughs> guys thanks for listening uh should we do put a games with ghost update thing at the end should the should we put it here yep Loop? Okay. post music okay music hey everyone ghost here with another ghost games update and this week we are taking a look at the latest three fields entertainment racing title Dangerous Driving. Now these are the same developers that worked on Danger Zones 1 and 2, and then previously the Burnout series. <laughs> and it's very much a Burnout style game. This is an arcade racer with a heavy emphasis on boosting, on crashing, and on beating out your opponents by way of all types of arcadey little tricks and, and, and whatnot. Uh, you are given a generous amount of health, and you're going to run into the sides a lot, or at least I did. And I had a blast with it. It was generous. It got me back on the track quickly. There's a sense of speed at all times. And it's clear here that while this is an indie title and they chose certain aspects to focus on, lighting looks good, speed looks good, reflections look fine in certain areas, other environments less so, uh, it's clear that they, they chose their areas on which to focus. Sound sounds good in many places and in other places is completely absent. For example, there is no music in the game beyond its title screen. Whilst you're racing, uh, there is no music playing in the background. You may pipe in your own music via a Spotify integration, so if you have a Spotify account, you got your own playlists there. However, uh, if you're like me, you're going to be using an external source or playing with a podcast on or something like that. The truth is, I got a very good sense of nostalgia from playing this game. It is a great arcade racer. Uh, It's great to just pop on play and turn your brain off. It's forgiving with environments. Boosting is a blast. Uh, The pursuit mode is a good time. There's different classes for you to work through, like sedan and SUV, all the way up to supercar. The tracks are fun. There's quite a few of them. I think 69 different tracks at one point, with more DLC on the way and more modes on the way. So I think with Dangerous Driving, you're getting a good game with plenty to enjoy that has room to grow as well. But the idea that it's an indie title, it certainly offers more polish in certain areas than I would have expected. It's $30 and $40 respectively, digital or physical, so that is something to take into account. Guys, you can find more uh, about Dangerous Driving from me on Twitter.com slash MLS Reserves, on the Xbox Drive podcast, or on Mixer.com slash Insipid Ghost. Take care, everybody.